I thought we should um, adapt motorsport or should create, we should create some motorsport that is directly focusing on those new technologies and on a more environmental way of moving around. That is really the, the idea, the origin of Formula E. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is the Climate 21 podcast, the number one podcast showcasing best practices in climate emissions reductions. And I'm your host, Global Vice President for SAP, Tom Raftery. Climate 21 is the name of an initiative by SAP to allow our customers calculate, report and reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. In this Climate 21 podcast, I will showcase best practices and thought leadership by SAP, by our customers, by our partners and by our competitors if they're game, in climate emissions reductions. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in your podcast app of choice to be sure you don't miss any episodes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Climate 21 podcast. My name is Tom Raftery with SAP. And with me on the podcast today, I have my special guest, Alejandro. Alejandro, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hello. Good morning. And um, I'm Alejandro Agag. I'm the founder of a few different competitions uh, around electric motorsport. The first one, Formula E, which is now the FIA uh, ABB Formula E World Championship. The second one is uh, the Extreme E Championship of electric SUVs. And the third one, it's uh, the E1 Championship of electric powerboats. So that's the, those three are my, my main activities. Fantastic. And we had Rodi Basso on a few episodes ago talking about Extreme E. It was a fascinating episode. Um, but let's talk a little about Formula E and Extreme E. First of all, why? Why, why do you think electric motorsport is important? Why did you decide to found these two motorsports? So I have been in the world of motorsport for many years. Let's call it traditional motorsport or combustion motorsport. And um, at one point, maybe around 15 years ago, I thought that there was starting to be a gap between uh, where things were going in the world and in the planet and motorsport. Motorsport kept using... Uh, fossil fuels, kept using combustion engines. But clearly for me, the future was going to be moving towards sustainability, towards greener mobility, and towards other kinds of powertrains. Uh, so I thought we should um, adapt motorsport or should create, we should create some motorsport that is directly focusing on those new technologies and on a more environmental way of uh, moving around. That is really the, the idea, the origin of Formula E, and then of all the rest that came after. So, so yeah, so it's to find a way for motorsport to be more focused and more aligned with where the world is going. More relevant. Exactly. More relevant. That's, that's a good way to put it. Okay, superb. And for people who are not familiar with Formula E, how, does it, how is it different from traditional motorsport, apart from the electric drivetrain? Formula E has a few different... Uh, uh, Features, uh, of course, the first one is that it's electric, so that makes it stand uh, stand out. But the second is that it races in city centers. We decided to bring Formula E to the people. We decided that for two main reasons. First, to bring the show closer to where the people are, um, bring the show to them, not having them come to the show on potentially a combustion car, multiply that by 100,000, and then you get a quite significant footprint when the people have to drive two hours to go to a racetrack. Instead, we take the race inside the city. But the second element, which is probably even more important, is that we give the message, clear message that electric cars 
are ready to use in cities are a solution for the city today, not in the future. Because of course, electric cars are the future, but electric cars are also the present. Uh, and we need to start using them now. And they are a really good solution, especially for cities. So that's, that's, that really sets uh, Formula A apart. Okay, and it differs in some of the rules as well from, uh, for, from Formula One, for example. Can you talk a little bit about how the rules are different and why? The race format is different. Of course, our races are um, slightly shorter. And because of the electric powertrain, we can do things that put the race almost halfway between a real race and a video game. We have our attack mode where drivers go off the um, optimal racing line over a sensor. And when they go over that sensor, they get an additional boost of energy for four minutes. That's a, that's a bit of a kind of Mario Kart concept where they, they, they go on the star and they catch more points. Here you get more, more energy and you can overtake the cars in front of you. But then the other ones will be using that uh, attack mode too, uh, and then will counterattack. So you know, it's, there's a lot of strategy. Also, we um, want to put on, on really on the, at the heart of the race, energy preservation and energy management. So we give the drivers less energy, or we make the race longer than what the battery would uh, last if they were going full throttle all the time. So they cannot go full, full throttle all the laps of the race. Some laps they need to slow down, they need to coast, they need to regen energy, they need to manage their energy. It's like it's, if I give you, you have to talk for one hour, but I give you a mobile battery for only 40 minutes. <laughs> you need to manage the battery, the, the energy of that battery. Right. And that makes the races really exciting. And it's also a message that we need to, to manage the energy in general in, in our life. Okay. We, we see with traditional motorsports that there have been a lot of innovations that have come out of those that have fed into the modern cars that, you know, we, we drive on the road today. Is there an equivalent in Formula E? Absolutely, yes. Of course, a big, big uh, element of, the, of Formula E is being a laboratory to test new advances, new developments on electric car, uh, car technologies that then can be used on the road cars. Many examples of, of this. Of course, the first one is software. Uh, electric cars, a very important part of uh, their, their, their operation is the software that runs the powertrain, the energy management system, the battery, uh, and that develops very, very fast in motor racing. And then that can go really fast from the road race car to the road car. Then, of course, you have other parts of the powertrain. You have advances on the batteries, on the battery packaging. Um, you have advances on charging also, ultra-fast charging that we're going to be applying soon. So there are many, many examples of technology that are developed in racing and can be used on the road cars. And Formula E is no exception, and especially focusing on electric powertrains. And in fact, has, hasn't the design of the cars been uh, optimized to optimize for developments that feed into uh, mainstream vehicles? Yes, of course, the, the design of the cars is focusing on allowing or making possible for the OEMs, for the manufacturers, for the teams to develop solutions that then can be applied on the road cars. We go by generations. Generation one, which was the one we used on the first three seasons of our history, was actually using two cars per driver to finish the race because the battery was didn't have energy to finish the whole race. Generation two, we went from two cars to one car. And with one car, we managed to multiply by two the distance that they could cover on race time. And, uh, and uh, therefore, we showed a big improvement on, 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 on battery capacity. Generation three, we're going to go into a lot less weight, a lot more horsepower or kilowatts. And we are going to show a huge leap in performance of these cars. And we're also going to add the feature of ultra fast charging in these cars. 
So really important technologies for the future and performance-wise, a huge step forward for Formula E. Fantastic. And talk a little bit about the the whole events, because as far as I know, the Formula E events themselves are carbon free. They're, you know, carbon neutral. What kind of steps are you taking to ensure that these are carbon neutral events? Of course, there are different ways to be carbon neutral no? or, or carbon zero. I think there are two parts to this strategy. The first part is you need to minimize absolutely to the limit your emissions. You need to minimize any emission associated to the event and not only to the street to the event, also to the transportation to the event, to the logistics that uh, are um, necessary to bring all the cars, all the elements to the event and so on and so forth. So there's, these we minimize, of course. After that, whatever you haven't been able to eliminate, uh, you offset by you know, uh, acquiring carbon credits, um, uh, you know, supporting programs that, uh, that, uh, that eliminate uh, CO2 emissions. So, and then you become, of course, uh, carbon neutral. We have been doing this and monitoring exactly all the carbon emissions that we've been creating since the beginning, since the inception, and we have minimized them and we have offset them. And I think this is the path for, for um, every other championship. Having said that, nobody's perfect. You always have emissions. We are going to need to have a lot of emissions to get out of the CO2 world. Uh, so there are no perfect solutions and uh, you have to be quite pragmatic. And I think the positive effect of having a championship like Formula A far outweighs the emissions that, uh, that we can create. Because in the long term, if you eliminate all the combustion cars, that will be a major, a major win for, uh, you know, for the, for basically most of all for, for, for humans that live in the planet, the planet doesn't care of the level of CO2, 4 million parts are, but we care because we may have to, you know, disappear from here. The planet will be okay. The planet will be okay. <laughs> so if we are getting rid of combustion cars and I would be big time in favor of that myself, being an, being an EV fan and an EV driver. But if we do get rid of combustion cars, does this mean that the end of Formula One is nigh? Well, not necessarily. I mean, uh, as you know, there are still horse races. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we don't take a horse to go to the office. So, uh, and, and why would not Formula One turn electric? You know, eventually Formula One could become electric. So, so <clears throat> I think we will see an evolution in the next years. Uh, let's see where the technology goes. Uh, I think battery electric cars are, of course, for me, the main part of the solution for mobility in the future, but there will have to be a combination of technologies if we want to reduce CO2 emissions quickly. So optimizing combustion is one. Hydrogen fuel cell cars, it's another one, although you know the efficiency of hydrogen is limited, but it's definitely an interesting uh, alternative. And battery electric cars are, are another one. So you know, let's see where the technology really evolves in the end and then, and then make decisions, but why not Formula One could go electric eventually. Okay. If it does go electric, then why would you have a Formula One and a Formula E? Well, you probably wouldn't. The thing is, there is a license, an exclusive license, and for the moment, Formula uh, E is the, has that license for 25 years. We have used, we are using our seventh year, so we still have another uh, 18 uh, years of exclusivity on electric racing. So either Formula One buys Formula E, or we get some kind of agreement, or merge, or decide to work together, or you know, or they could not go electric under the rules of the federation. They could do it independently, but not under the rules of the federation. And the federation regulates Formula One. So, so th that that sets the background for for the future. And let's see, let's see where it goes. But we will have to be involved in it. 
Okay. And you mentioned you mentioned as well at the start uh, Extreme E, and we haven't really touched on that yet, apart from you saying that it's SUVs. And Extreme E started this year in, I can't remember if it was March or April. In Alula, in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I saw some of the videos on the YouTube channel. It, it looked absolutely amazing. But I mean, we, we haven't talked much about it. Can you first of all, give a little bit of, of the background about Extreme E, what it is and why it is? Extreme, Extreme is a new, a new championship, a new championship with, with different ob objectives to Formula E. Uh, we wanted to take these electric cars to the most remote corners of the planet that are really the frontier where, where climate change is happening. Not only climate change, other effects of human activity in our planet are visible. And we wanted to show them through motorsport. And we wanted also to give a voice to some scientists, to our scientists that work with us to tell the story of what's going on on those locations. And we wanted also to take action on those locations, even limited action, to showcase that it's time for action. There is too much, uh, people have been talking for too long and people continue talking, but, but, uh, but now it's really time for action. So that's the essence of Extreme E. We take these races to the rainforest in the Amazon or to the Arctic ice cap uh, or to the glaciers in Ushuaia, uh, to the desert in Saudi Arabia or to the ocean front line in uh, Senegal in West Africa to show what's going on in those places. That is that is extreme. And the first race was uh, a few weeks ago and it was absolutely incredible because just by the watching the setting, already you, 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 you feel uh, uh, attracted to what's going on and you want to learn more. Yeah, I, I watched loads of those videos on the Extreme E channel on YouTube and it was amazing to see. I'll put a link in the show notes of the podcast for people to the YouTube channel so they can watch some of them if they haven't seen them already. Uh, but seeing it, seeing it in the desert and seeing all the sand being kicked up, which must have been really, really challenging for the drivers. It was very, very, very intense. And we had a few uh, spills and, and tips as well, which made it even more exciting. Fortunately, no one was injured as far as I could tell. Yeah, no, no, there were big crashes, but uh, the cars are extremely safe. <clears throat> you know, it's part of racing and actually people, uh, that, that really calls the attention of people. But yeah, it was very challenging. The dust was very challenging. Desert temperatures are going up. It's getting even drier. We were testing in January and it was more humid. But now with a very, very dry summer coming, it was, it was tough. So that's what we want, extreme. <laughs> and it, racing in environments like that, which are environmentally sensitive, which is why you're there, how do you ensure that you're, you're not going to cause any lasting damage there? Yeah, we get that question a lot. Of course, we do an environmental impact study before we go. But, you know, the reality is that those are the places where we should go racing because they are just extension of sand or extensions of rocks. And a car cannot break sand, a car cannot break rocks, a car cannot even break ice. But I get the question asked a lot. And, you know, it's a, I, I, uh, I guess the perception is, oh, my God, we're going to go there and destroy it. You cannot destroy those places. Some of them are sadly already destroyed. Some of them are just physically impossible to damage. But, of course, if we were to go to a place where we could see that we could inflict any sort of damage, we would not race. Okay, superb. And... One of the one of the things that really caught my attention about Extreme E is the fact that it's two drivers, one male, one female on each team. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's that's new and, and interesting. Yes, yes. I have been myself working for a long time in, in trying to bring more women into into motorsport. I think it's of course motorsport is a was a men's sport or has been a men's sport, but not really for any special reason because women uh, can drive very, very well. So, so I tried already 15 years ago 
to have a Formula 3 uh, only female team. I wasn't really so convinced that the format of having competitions only for women and then only for men separate was the, the only solution. I guess it's what's happening now, but I, I kind of was trying to kind of not accept that. So I thought, uh, and I really actually like watching the double mix games in Wimbledon at tennis. And in a double mix match, it doesn't matter who's stronger. Of course, normally in tennis, the men are stronger as we see, but, but it doesn't matter because whoever misses a point or whoever wins a point can decide the game. So the women and the men are equally important for, for the result. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to bring into motorsport. So that's why this format of men and women, I think it's fascinating. I think it's a great addition to the sport. And I think it doesn't matter if the, if the men go faster and the woman goes lower or vice versa. Both are decisive for the victory because they work as a team. Yeah. And I like also this message of men and women working as a team because there is so much kind of, I don't know, now positions of like if we were enemies, no? But I think we, we are not. So we, it's, it's very good that we, we work as a team. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The as, as we said, the, the first Extreme E event was a few weeks ago uh, in the desert. What have been the learnings from that? What, what's your takeaway from that first one? Oh, many, many lessons, of course. Uh, you know, that, that, that race was almost, that's a miracle that it worked because we hadn't really tested anything before. COVID was a massive uh, disruption to our plans. We couldn't do our testing. We couldn't try anything. We couldn't try the broadcasting systems. We couldn't try the cars. We couldn't try the racing format. We couldn't try anything. Well, So we basically used that as a massive test. We've taken so many notes and we're going to improve so many things for the second race. And then I guess we will keep improving until we stabilize because COVID has made this thing so difficult to, to, to put together. Okay. And... When and where is the next leg of the Extreme E event? It's next weekend. So not this coming one, it's the one after, so like in, in 10 days, in Dakar, Senegal. Um, we are going there to the to the coast, to, to, the, to a massive beach, beautiful beach, but sadly uh, very, very uh, contaminated with plastics, a lot of ocean plastic uh, on that beach. So we want to highlight that problem. And also some of the villages of the coastline are suffering for the uh, race of the sea level. And, uh, you know, that's connected to the place where we go after, because after we will be going to the Arctic to showcase, actually, we're going to race on a place that used to be covered with uh, Arctic uh, ice cap ice, and now it's not. So you see that everything is connected. All the problems are connected, and the, the villagers in, in the coastline in Senegal are suffering from the ice melting in Greenland. Wow. Wow. And can you give me the dates of those? Yeah, uh, 29 and 30 of uh, May. It's uh, Senegal, Dakar. Mm-hmm. And then on the... Um, 28th and 29th of August, I believe, it's uh, Greenland. Okay. Are there other ways to consume it besides on YouTube? Yeah, yeah it's live on TV. So if you live in the UK, uh, you can watch it on, on ITV, ITV1. Uh, and then other countries, uh, it's live on many broadcasters. So, you know, we're in ProSieben in Germany. We are in the media set in Italy, in TV, in Spain, in Globo, in Brazil, in Fox, Fox Sports in the US. Uh, we're in CNN, uh, CNN. CCTV, the Chinese uh, Star TV, cctv.com in China. Yeah, we're everywhere. Fantastic, fantastic. What's next, Alejandro? What's what's coming next? I mean, not just for Formula E, not just for Extreme E, but, you know, in, in general, what, well, f- what what's next for Formula E? What's next for Extreme E? And then what's next for Alejandro and, and electric motorsports? Well, I think uh, next, uh, next for let's say all the championships is to continue pushing forward the same agenda to continue trying to promote electric mobility because still electric mobility is a very, very small fraction 
of all the mobility that uh, that we use, and we need to definitely increase that. So we have a role to play in that. So that's kind of the future for us. Keep keep fighting on this agenda, and and that will be done in many different ways, improving the technology, making the show bigger, increasing our fan base, and so on and so on. And then for me, really to work continue working on this space. I mean, I, I, I've been now involved in the kind of sustainability space for many years now through technology, through sports, through championships. Uh, I'm also doing that through investment with some some large <clears throat> private equity funds that I'm advising to invest in, in green projects. I do this on a very kind of pragmatic way. So, you know, we, we, we I'm not, uh, probably I wouldn't define myself as an environmentalist. I'm, I'm a businessman that cares for the environment. And I think we need environmentalists, but also we need even more um, businessmen that care about the environment because business is the, 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 the part that will be able to execute the change. People can see what we need to do, but then other people need to make it happen. And to make it happen, you need to make compromises. Like I said, to make solar panels, you emit quite a bit of CO2. A solar panel is paying its CO2 bill for five years until it starts being, let's say, carbon negative in its life. Luckily, they can be used for 25 years, so you have 20 years of positive effect, but you pay a bill of CO2 for the first five years. I think that's a good example. We will need a lot of oil to get out of the oil age. Mm. So that's how I see things. And, you know, like I say, I'm a businessman that is trying to do environmental projects. Superb, superb. We're coming towards the end of the podcast now, Alejandro. Is there any question that I've not asked you that you wish I had, or is there any topic we've not brought up that you think it's important for people to be aware of? No, I think no. I think my really my, my message it was the one I gave the last uh, on the last question. I think uh, I think we all have to do something for the environment, and especially CO two emissions that cause. Uh, a raise in temperatures are the most urgent uh, problem to tackle. There are many, many others, and plastic pollution in the oceans is a very visible one, but uh, that is not going to kill millions of people or displace millions of people. But uh, climate change may have that effect very soon with the change of temperatures in some areas of uh, of the planet. So we all have to do something. We don't need to be uh, environmentalists or we don't don't need to be members of Extinction Rebellion or uh, anything like that to, to... to make that happen. We all can happen in a more kind of normal manner. We will have to make things without having civilization stop. I mean, you know, not going on holiday for me is not the solution. The solution is uh, having electric planes, for, for example. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, everybody needs to take action. Everybody needs to do something. And, and I think uh, let's do it in a pragmatic way so we can get out of uh, this problem. Superb, superb. Alejandro, if people want to know more about yourself, Alejandro, or about Formula E or Extreme E or any of the topics we discussed on the podcast today, where would you have me direct them? Oh, they can go to the website or the Instagram accounts, uh, Formula E. Uh, so Formula E is www.fiaformulae.com. Extreme E, it's extreme slash E.com. So it's easy. And uh, E1 Series is the boat, it's E1Series.com. Uh, those are our, our championships uh, and, you know, that's, that's where you find everything or, or on Instagram. Or you can go to Alejandro Extreme on Instagram and there you see all what, all what I'm doing, where I'm going. I'm moving quite a lot, even with COVID. So, yeah, we keep it going. Fantastic. Alejandro, that's been excellent. Thanks a million for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay, we've come to the end of the show. Thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to know more about Climate 21, feel free to drop me an email to tom.raftery at sap.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. 
If you liked the show, please don't forget to subscribe to it in your podcast application of choice to get new episodes as soon as they're published. Also, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It really does help new people to find the show. Thanks. Catch you all next time. Bye.